This is Bucks Talk, presented by Gruber Law Offices. One call, that's all. Recap everything you need to know about this game right now. Now, here's your host, your analyst, and your MC for the evening. Make some noise! Justin Garcia. One or two guys down, next man up mentality, and I think we're doing a good job of it. But I'm taking each game very, very serious to try to get me up to beat. Here we go now! Here we go now! Here we go now! Jay Crowder, who's starting to look better and better. That's uh, certainly proving to be a big acquisition for the Bucks. And uh, with no Giannis, with no Drew Holiday, your two leading scorers, kind of felt like a trap game. Well, a trap game-ish. I mean, I'm not going to oversell the win over the Wizards on Sunday, and nor will I upsell the game against the Brooklyn Nets on Thursday. It's going to be tough against Brooklyn. That's a... That's a recharged good team that's just full of wings that defend and take threes. So you are going to have your work cut out for you on Thursday. But this felt like, eh, second game on the road. We'll see how much time Brooks spent at Disney earlier in the day. Maybe that'll come back to get him. Who knows? And especially once you saw no Giannis and no Drew Holiday to take uh, 50 points, 50-plus points out of the lineup. A big, big win considering all of that and considering what we saw from Chris Middleton tonight. 855-616-1620 is the old National Bank talking text line to join us tonight on uh, Bucks Talk. And uh, Tommy's producing the show tonight. That's the number for you to join us. Your thoughts on what we saw from Chris Middleton. Is he in the starting lineup for good now? Kind of wondered before tip in this one, well, with Giannis out, with Drew out, yeah, get Grayson, uh, Javon Carter, Bobby Portis, but who else? Is Pat going to stay in the starting lineup? You going to go with the Javon, Grayson, Pat, Bobby, Brooke lineup? I don't know. Kind of felt like this is the time we'll put Chris in the starting lineup and not look back, and he certainly didn't look back tonight, but we'll see if this is uh, to stay. 31 minutes, too. Second time this season he played 30 or more minutes. But it seems like we're trending towards that from Chris Middleton. So, again, 855-616-1620 is the old National Bank talking text line to join us tonight on Bucks Talk. And uh, Tommy is producing the show. You are uh, on Twitter as much as anybody I know. Whoa. An unhealthy amount. You've seen the Chris Middleton meme of the cycle of Chris? Oh, yeah. I would assume. We're in that bottom part right now. It seems like it's starting to trend towards... There's been too much slander. There's been too much fans saying, uh, Chris Middleton. We do this every year. Now we're starting to move into the, uh-oh, he's almost prime MJ. He's getting close to that. I I used to be a Chris Middleton doubter before right. the championship. You say used to be. Before the championship. That means you still, no, that doesn't count. Oh, no, 100%. Before the championship, I used to be a guy that's worried about Chris's production. Now, since then... Full faith in whatever he's done, even when he's been out, coming back from injury, not being rushed back this year. I'm a full-on, I believe, I trust in Chris. After what he did and what he's done for Milwaukee in those Eastern Conference games, in the finals, I, I don't know how you can doubt what this guy's done. And this streak that since he's been back, the, what, 18 games now, 15 games, is that what it is? He's been... Phenomenal when he's been on the court. He doesn't need to be the guy who's dropping 
40 points a game, he is the glue of this team. You can obviously see it. So we're we're probably in the bottom portion of that meme. It's he's not in the cycle yet of or he's not rounding the corner of up oh, now he's underrated now he's but it, it, we're we're pretty close to that step where it's suddenly he's underrated and then he's prime Michael Jordan and then it just goes right back to do we really really need Chris Middleton we're getting close to those other two stages but at what point do we make the Javon Carter meme too where it's it starts with I don't trust or too small don't trust him this can't be real there's no way this is real this totally isn't real. And then it's maybe this is real. He's got that dog in him. Right? <laughs> maybe this end, is yeah. real. And then it's just when he woke up. That's the final one. We trust it. Forty-three percent shooting on threes this season. And here's the thing that you're going to have to keep an eye on. I've talked about this a few other places. Um, I know it has uh, gotten under the skin of a handful of Bucks fans, and it's been somewhat irritating to see our beloved Javon Carter a handful of times. He's just shooting. Right? Especially in transition. That's his shot. That's where he's seemingly been most comfortable and most effective is that pull-up three in transition. The first time or two that that doesn't fall in the postseason, I'm going to be curious to see, do you stick with it? Because that's where scoring in the half court is even more important. And it's great when you hit that shot. When you miss the shot and Giannis is in front of you, then you start to, that's when we start to go into the Javon Carter cycle of, okay, pass the ball. So that's the one thing to file away. But I mean, we've talked about it so much on this show, on the pregame show, on the network postgame show. Everybody wanted Javon Carter to play. I, I wouldn't even say more, to play, period, end of sentence. They wanted him to play in the playoffs last year. It would have been great to see him. I still it doesn't change things. The Celtics with the current iteration the Bucks had. Celtics aren't a great matchup for Javon Carter, but you still wanted to see him and I think coming into this season there was this curiosity of okay, who is Javon Carter really? And what he's done all season long. This isn't just a hot streak. He has consistently been this guy going back to what two weeks, three weeks into the season. That game on the road in Oklahoma City. Thunder, yep. Where it was 36, I think, points. That sounds about right, yeah. He was the guy, and he's had a few of those games this season. So it's not just like, hey, Javon Carter, remember that month where he was hot. It's been all season. He's been very consistent, and he has been, not to overuse this word, he's been a revelation for the Bucks this season. He's a great load management depth guy. You know, games where you need someone else to kind of step into the lineup if someone's out. Javon Carter can eat minutes, plays a lot of games, potential to score a decent amount of points. So you win this game tonight. It's going to be tough on Thursday against the Brooklyn Nets, but it is going to be especially tough for the next week. Nets are going to give you some trouble. But those three games out west, that is brutal. Now there is a silver lining, a little bit of a caveat with one of the huge matchups on that road trip. We'll talk about that. And also the numbers, not from tonight's game, but the projections for the remainder of the season. How does this win change things, if at all, for the Bucks and their chances in quest for the one seed? We'll give you that after this on Bucks Talk. 
absolutely knocked away by Ingles as he tried to get to Wagner. Now it's Carter going the other way. Mentioned he likes this shot, and he pulls up and sticks the transition three from the right wing. Javon Carter, big tonight in a, a win that is the Bucks' second consecutive win after the ending to a sweet 16-game win streak. And, you know, look, just as we cautioned earlier in the season, don't overreact to December and January basketball. Don't overreact to one game or one week or one road trip. So if if we're going to stress that, we have to expect the same when it doesn't involve the Bucks. And I've seen quite a bit of celebrating for what's happened the last week in Boston. I'm not going to complain, and you'll take it, but the Celtics aren't done. It gives you a little more breathing room, and you feel pretty good, especially if you win that game March 30th, three weeks from Thursday. You win that game, I'm 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 ready to just about guarantee the one seed if you win that game. But you got to take care of business in that because three games in the loss column, I'm going to keep pointing out the loss column, and once again, here's why. Don't pay attention to what it shows you in the standings, the two and a half, one and a half, whatever. Look at the loss column because you can't make that up. The loss is already there. You can't take it away. You can only add wins. So losses are more important to look at at this point in the season. Three games separating the Bucks and the Celtics in the loss column. We'll do the math in just a minute here, and I mentioned some numbers to look at in terms of projections. We'll get to all of that, but uh, before we do that, let's go to the phone lines, 855-616-1620, the old National Bank talking text line. We kick things off with Ricky in Honey Creek. What's going on tonight, Ricky? Yeah, um, I was just watching this uh, Bucks game, and, uh, you know, you're facing the Jan Orlando team, and with no Giannis or Holiday, but you still got uh, Middleton, Lopez, Portis, and those other guys, and they can still shoot the ball. And it was nice to see Chris Middleton back in the starting lineup. Um, the Bucks were able to control Orlando, I think, although it got too close for uh, comfort. But, uh, I mean, a win's a win, so... The Bucks continue to be the number one seed in the Eastern Conference. And uh, Chris Middleton, I mean, putting up 24 points, playing over 30 minutes, so that's a good sign for him. And then Javon Carter, just being Javon Carter, hitting four or five of threes, uh, scoring another 24 points. Then you got Brooke Lopez. He uh, gave you 26. I think he had like three blocks tonight, so that really was good. And then Jay Crowder, I mean, he got some more playing time tonight, putting up 15 points. And uh, the Bucks got to the free throw line a lot more tonight. Um, and they take more opportunities for the free throw line, making a good whole majority of them. And uh, looking forward to seeing this team go on. And uh, like I said, winning, win another finals. Let's hope so. Thanks for the call, Ricky. And you mentioned the free throws. You needed that because Magic scored a lot in the paint, 62 I think it was, but 
This was a game where you did make more threes than your opponent, but it wasn't a typical, you know, Bucks win the three-point line by plus 15 points or more. You only made one more, and you only made 10 threes in this game. So where they made up for that, as, as he pointed out, was free throws, getting there 34 times. Chris Middleton doing most of that. Uh, but it, it is worth monitoring. We've seen rebounding, I'm not going to say struggles, but we've seen some rebounding issues pop up the last a couple of times out there with this team. And look, we mentioned the Wizards on the postgame show. They won tonight on a last-second offensive rebound putback by Daniel Gafford. That's what they do. They have size. Daniel Gafford is one of the best, if you if you watch a lot of basketball, You've seen Daniel Gafford a decent amount and think, yeah, this guy can do some things. He's a good lob threat. He can rebound. He's a pretty decent shot blocker for his size. He's one of those guys that, especially on the offensive glass, he's better than he looks. Chris Stapps Porzingis brings some size. Tonight, the Magic are a big, long team. They're okay rebounding the basketball. They got a lot of size, but you didn't have Giannis and you didn't have Drew Holiday, so that certainly factors in. I'm curious to see how this team looks on the glass against the Brooklyn Nets. And for that matter, during this road trip. This can't be a prolonged issue because, as we mentioned, those are three very difficult games. As of right now, on the road, that is. Four difficult games, three very difficult road games. As of right now, those three teams on your Western Conference road trip are 3-4-5 and five in the Western Conference. The Kings, the Suns, and the Warriors. And you play those three teams in four days. Now, the silver lining that I mentioned is you get that Suns team, and that game is night two of a back-to-back. So Saturday in San Francisco against the Warriors, Monday in Sacramento in what is probably going to be a playoff-type feel. But the Bucks are the one seed. The Kings have been very good this season. And, oh, by the way, the Kings may be tied for second or solely in second by the time that game is played. This late into the season, they're going to snap that playoff drought. So it's going to be a very, very energized building that you have on Monday and then Tuesday in Phoenix against the Suns. And it's night two of a back-to-back, so you look at it and you say, man, that's, that's kind of a bummer. I was looking forward to seeing this Suns team and and see us match up against Phoenix with Kevin Durant on the floor since we did not see him uh, the first time these two teams played about a week ago. But that is night two of a back-to-back for the Phoenix Suns as well, who Monday night play against the Warriors on the road. And the Warriors, as we mentioned, fifth. They're just behind the Suns. That's not really a game you can punt. The Suns game is more important to the or the Warriors game is more important to the Bucks than that Suns game. And it's a similar conversation we're going to get into with the later portion of the schedule for the Bucks and some of those back-to-backs that they have. So, not so fast in terms of what are you going to see from the Phoenix Suns in that game, night 2 of a back-to-back. 855-616-1620, the old National Bank talking text line when we come back. Those projections that I mentioned, what are the Bucks' chances of holding on to the one seed, and what does it mean? I know we're getting ahead of ourselves. Still about three weeks away, but what does it mean, speaking of numbers, if the Bucks do win that game against Boston on the 30th? We'll tell you after this on Bucks Talk. Crowder going to put up a contested three, and he drills it from the left side. He thought he got fouled in the process and was... 
Two straight wins now for the Bucks after that 16-game win streak came to an end Saturday. And uh, you come home, you get one game against the Brooklyn Nets, who again, 37-28 and 28 on the season. And, you know, part of it was when Brooklyn made those deals, I, I saw some initial, well, this is probably it for Brooklyn. Cute story Nets, right? Well, in terms of winning a championship, yes, that was it for Brooklyn. But they're not going to fall out of the, the playoffs. They're not going to be a play-in tournament team you know, just because of what they did prior to that. And you look at 7 through 10, they built up enough wins that maybe they're going to regress a little bit, but they have too much of a cushion. And in the aftermath of that trade, Kyrie Irving, or those trades, Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant, it wasn't great. I believe they, when they made that trade, the Kyrie Irving trade, I believe they were 33-22. and 22. And we mentioned what the record is now. They started to fall apart a little bit right after that deal. Um, but they've turned things around. They've they've started to land the plane here a little bit. So they were thirty two, excuse me, and twenty one when they made that trade, and uh, actually thirty two and twenty. They're now thirty seven and twenty eight. So it, in the immediate aftermath of that deal, they really started to struggle. Just two and eight in their first ten games without Kyrie, without Kevin Durant. They've won their last three. And they played the last time the Bucs played them in Brooklyn. They played them tough for most of the game. Or for part of the game, I should say. The Bucs started to break it open. Uh, they played, I know not a great team, but they played the Atlanta Hawks pretty tough down to the wire before Atlanta won that game. They gave the Knicks a pretty good test for three quarters before things started to fall apart. They did the same to the 76ers right after those trades were made. And um, now they've won three straight, and that included a big comeback against the Boston Celtics. And they won tonight against the Houston Rockets and uh, the Charlotte Hornets. So they've beaten some bad teams, but this is still going to be tough. Nick Claxton makes a little more sense now in terms of the spacing and how they use him. Dorian Finney-Smith is the type of player every contending team wants. Miles Bridges has been a walking 30-point game. I mean, just look at what he's done. Three straight games scoring 30 or more points now. He had the 45-point game earlier in the season with, or in this portion of the season with the Brooklyn Nets. So this is a team that's full of wings. So if you don't have Drew Holiday, still TBD, on that, if you don't have Drew Holiday, could make it interesting. That's why it was nice to see Chris Middleton start to get going tonight. And it's not just, all right, Chris, go try to find your footing against a team that can throw Mikhail Bridges on you. They can throw Dorian Finney-Smith on you. They can throw Cam Johnson on you. It's a team that don't have a superstar unless Mikhail Bridges makes a leap that it goes beyond what many expect. But they don't have a superstar. It's a pretty good team.
that you wouldn't pick to win a first-round series, but you also wouldn't want to be the team that's playing them. So that's the other area where it's, you know, I want them to stay sixth. I don't want them dropping down to 7-10. Because right now, those grouping of 7 through 10 teams, the Heat, the Hawks, the Raptors, the Wizards, perfectly fine with any of those four teams playing the Bucks Or the Bulls, if they get in there. You can't rule out the Indiana Pacers either, I suppose. But I mentioned those numbers. Numbers in terms of projections to keep an eye on here. This does not include tonight's game. But coming in to this game tonight, the Bucks, according to the number crunching at playoffstatus.com, a great site, by the way, playoffstatus.com has the Bucks with a 77% chance of getting the one seed. 77. Celtics have a 20% chance of getting to that one seed, and the Sixers have a 2% chance. Now, I'm curious what change we'll see now that it's not very much separating the Celtics and the Sixers. Philadelphia has uh, one game left against Boston. That's on the at home. Boston plays Philly and Milwaukee. Both of those games are on the road. But 77%. I have a feeling after this win tonight, because it was just 72% after Sunday's win, I have a feeling after this win tonight it's going to be above 80%. 80% chance of the Bucks getting that one seed. you got 17 games left. And again... The loss column. Keep an eye on the loss column because you can't remove losses. You can only add wins. Three games separating the Bucs and the Celtics in the loss column. So, this is a lot of looking ahead. And I don't encourage it. And we said, don't, don't make too much out of one game. One game at a time, the old coach's adage. Well, let's go beyond one game at a time and let's look at three weeks from now. If the Bucs win that game, on the 30th against the Boston Celtics. At that point, we're adding a win for the Bucs. We're adding a loss for the Celtics. So, depending on what happens between now and then, that's four games separating the Bucs and the Celtics. The Celtics will have at least 22 losses if you beat them. You would right now be at 18. Let's say that game's played tomorrow. Four games in the loss column, and that win means you have the tiebreaker. So the Celtics not only have to catch your wins, but they have to pass you. So it's essentially five games that would separate you. And any time you throw around that number, with 17 games left, in the case of the Celtics right now, they got 16 games left. If both of these teams... Just maintain this pace. Like that game, if you approach that game three games up in the loss column, that basically seals it. Now the Celtics' schedule does change, so that is worth pointing out. And again, as we said at the top, don't make too much out of one game. Don't make too much out of the Celtics' three-game losing streak. It doesn't look great. The vibes haven't been great in Boston. I'm sure Bucks fans loved seeing Grant Williams last night. Just... Just telling, telling uh, Donovan Mitchell, I'll make both, and then promptly missing both free throws with, what, eight-tenths of a second left to send the game to overtime. Uh, so all of this, it's been great. Three-game losing streak. They've lost four of their last five. 
And that was when it was, oh, man, here come the Celtics prior to that. Yep, they got it turned around. But I will say this. Going into that game against the Bucks, Celtics have 10 games between now and then. 10 games. They are not that difficult, right? The Bucks, as we mentioned, you have the Brooklyn Nets. You have the three-game Western Conference road trip. Then you have a three-game homestand with the Pacers, the Raptors, and the Spurs. And then you have a four-game road trip. So you have 11 games between now and that Celtics game. So let's say this. Here's the Celtics. The Blazers at the Hawks, at the Rockets, at the Timberwolves, at the Blazers, at the Jazz, at the Kings. Yes, a six-game road trip. Pacers, Spurs, and then two games on the road at Washington, at Milwaukee. So those are their 10 games. Let's say the Celtics go 8-2 and two in those 10 games. And one of those two losses is to the Bucks. All right? So let's say that. So that would put Boston at 53-23 and 23 with six games left in the season. So we're putting them at 8-2. and two. The Bucks have Brooklyn, the three games that we mentioned out west with the Warriors, the Kings, and the Suns. Pacers, Raptors, and Spurs at this point with how this team is playing and clicking right now and with what's in front of them, those frankly need to be wins, all three of them, and they should be. And then a difficult stretch of at Utah, at Denver, back-to-back nights, at Detroit, at Indiana, and then you have the Boston game. So we said 53-23, and 23 if, assuming best-case scenario, the Celtics go 8-2 and two in those games, and you win that game. So let's say in those, well, actually 9-2 and two for the uh, – 9-2, and two, we'll say, for the Celtics. So 54-23. and 23. I know I'm losing everybody now and just throwing at random numbers, but here's the point. The 11 games, 12 games that the Bucs have, including the Celtics, you win that Celtics game. If you go 6-6, six and six, you're 53-24. and 24. So you're a game behind Boston, but you have the tiebreaker. And that's if you play 500. That's the run that the Celtics would go on, would have to go on, and need you to play 500 basketball. So you see the importance of winning these games against those teams, like the Pacers, like the Raptors, like the Spurs. You look at the games in front of you, the Brooklyn Nets, you got to win that because it's a home game. Those three games we mentioned, the Pacers, Raptors, and Spurs, you have to win those games because they're home games, they're not good teams. The Pistons and Pacers on the road, you got to win those games. One and two you would settle for on this road trip. You can't go 0-3. And, and then the rest of it, it's a matter of if you split Utah and Denver. But right there, that's more than 6-6. Six and six. That just shows you, you're building this up. Three games in the loss column. Keep adding to that because that's how difficult it makes it for a team like the Celtics and the Sixers who can't totally be ruled out to catch you this late in the season. 
one six twenty. The old National Bank talk and text line. More after this on Bucks Talk. Handed, flips it up and in. That was some nifty action going up the floor by the Bucks, and then some sweet dribbling from Chris Middleton, who's off to a nice start with twelve points in his first start since December fifteenth. Thirty-one minutes tonight from Chris Middleton. Second time he has played that many minutes this season. And uh, 24 points matches, I think matches his season high. Only the fourth time this season he had 20 or more points in a game. Um, We kind of mentioned this at the top, but I would assume he's staying in the starting lineup now. I get you, you had two big pieces out, and it was, well... Kind of got to juggle the lineup a little bit. We got 50-plus points out of the starting lineup. I'm not sure we want to start the game with a, no disrespect, but I'm not sure we want to start the game with a Javon, Grayson, Pat, Bobby, Brook lineup. So, yeah, let's throw Chris in there. It's kind of like, well, no turning back now. So I would assume Thursday he's going to be in your starting lineup, and we're going to see Drew Ho- Well, let's hope Drew Holiday. Grayson Allen, Chris Middleton, Giannis, we hope, and Brooke Lopez. 24 matches the high. And that was the Dallas game, I think. The weird game that they won in the Brooke Lopez. Uh, no, that was in Miami. Oh, that's right. He had, or it was in Milwaukee the against Miami. The minutes was the Dallas game. It was the early February game against Miami. Um, so I threw a lot at you with the schedule. And this is uh, audio, not visual, so it's kind of difficult. Okay, win, win, win. Here's what you should know. After that game, March 30th, against the, the Celtics, both the Bucks and the Celtics have five games left on the season. If the Bucks win that game against Boston and have the tiebreaker, as long as you have a two-game cushion, you will be the one seed. Your remaining five games are Philadelphia, at Washington, the Bulls and Grizzlies at home, at Toronto. Now, Memphis has played the Bucks tough the last couple of years, but who knows what that team is going to look like. They've been in a bit of a slide. We've talked about Boston. It's been even more pronounced for the Grizzlies. We know Brandon Clark isn't going to be there. We don't know if their point guard will be on the floor. But that's not quite as daunting a matchup in your penultimate game of the season as it once looked. So, if you beat the Boston Celtics on the 30th, as long as you leave that game two games up on Boston, you will be the one seed. Because you win that game, it's three games that you're up on the Celtics by way of the tiebreaker, meaning... You would have to go two and three, and Celtics would need to go unbeaten to get that one seed. If you lose that game, you've already got to have a three-game cushion. So win that game and have that margin at one. Even if you're one game up going into that game and you win it, Bucks are going to be the one seed just with the margin, which would essentially be three and five games remaining. 855-616-1620, the Old National Bank talk and text line, Old National Bank, get old. Take a, a deeper look at this Brooklyn Nets team, specifically 
what Mikhail Bridges has been doing since he joined the Nets. We'll get a chance to see it even more in person on Thursday. We'll preview that after this on Bucks Talk. Thursday night at Fiserv Forum, it's the Bucks and the Brooklyn Nets. And I mentioned this on the uh, network portion of our post game, but if you have tickets to that game, make note of the uh, game change in the tip time. This was originally supposed to be a TNT game and a 6:30 tip. It is sadly no more. Even though I mean, this is still a relatively intriguing matchup between the Bucks. And the Brooklyn Nets, but in its place on TNT, I believe, is the Warriors-Grizzlies, which now all of a sudden that doesn't look quite as good. But nonetheless, if you thought you were going to a 6.30 game, it is a 7 o'clock tip now. But make sure you're around at 6.30 for the pregame show with myself and Dave Kane. But that matchup, so again, Extremely small sample size theater that we're looking at here. But I mentioned Mikhail Bridges and how good he's been. Uh, four games this season in his nine games with the Brooklyn Nets. Four of those nine, he scored 30 or more. And that includes a 40-piece that he had. But in his nine games, he is averaging more than 26 points, six rebounds, and uh, three assists. 26, 6, and 3. In 39 games this season, Kevin Durant averaged just under 30 points, so three points more than Mikhail Bridges. Uh, He averaged just under seven rebounds, so basically a, a rebound more, and five assists, so two more. But what jumps off the page, and again, nine games, small sample, Mikhail Bridges' usage has gone up, And part of you wonders, man, I get it was Kevin Durant. And I'm never going to be against giving up what you can for a guy that is a sure thing. Look what it did for the Bucs with the acquisition of Drew Holiday. Kevin Durant is that type of guy, obviously. But you can't help but wonder, man, did Phoenix realize what they had in Mikhail Bridges? And especially that finals run where everything was Chris Paul and Devin Booker. And DeAndre Ayton was playing very well, too, until another weird falling out between Monty Williams and a player. But you, you look at it and you're like, man, what if they would have said, you know what, we're good, and, and Mikhail Bridges morphed into this guy? Because the efficiency splits for him. He is nine games, we'll add that caveat. He is at a 50-50-90 split. shooting from the floor, 50% shooting on threes, 91% at the free throw line. And you may say, well, okay, great, but those are his splits. He's not taking quite as much as a guy like Kevin Durant, who in his games with the Brooklyn Nets this season was at a 55-38-93 split. Kel Bridges, right now, as a member of the Nets, is averaging just two fewer field goal attempts per game than Kevin Durant. He is averaging the same amount of three-point attempts as Kevin Durant while he was a member of the Brooklyn Nets, and he is getting to the free throw line one fewer time. So he has basically taken on the role of Kevin Durant, and now that roster just makes more sense with guys like Cam Johnson, like Nick Claxton, 
and like shooters, shooters like Steph Curry, like like Joe Harris. It makes more sense. So they are a difficult team to play against. I know just three and six in those nine games with Bridges, but it's not going to be easy is the point we're trying to make here Thursday night. So this is the type of team you want a team like who whoever finishes third in the East, you would love the Philadelphia 76ers to finish third and have to deal with this Brooklyn Nets team in the first-round matchup. You would love looking at the playing tournament teams, the Miami Heat, I suppose, are the team you would say had the most upside. You'd love the Heat to win that 7-8 matchup. He'd play the Boston Celtics. You wait for the Hawks, the Wizards, the Raptors, the Bulls, doesn't matter. Get, let the, the teams that aren't going to win a series but are going to make it tough, maybe in the case of the Heat, but are going to make it tough like the Brooklyn Nets, let them play the Celtics and the Sixers. So that's the other piece of importance in getting that one seed and winning the Eastern Conference. We'll wrap up the show, get you set for Thursday nights back in Milwaukee against those Brooklyn Nets. We wrap it up after this on Bucks Talk. Two straight wins for the Bucks, taking care of the Magic in Orlando, and now coming home for one day or one game, two days, two-ish days, two and a half days. You'll get home tonight. You'll spend the day tomorrow. You'll have the day Thursday, and then you'll leave Friday afternoon to go to San Francisco, hang out on the West Coast, a matchup with the Warriors. Steph Curry back now. And that Warriors team starting to find their groove. Our old pal, Dante DiVincenzo, looks like he's starting to become an X-factor for the Golden State Warriors. And then two big ones against the Kings and the Phoenix Suns. So uh, we are going to have to keep an eye on what happens with the Celtics. We mentioned we're taking victory laps over that three-game skid and the way they've lost those three games. But everything the Celtics have between now and March 30th against the Bucs, it's not a very challenging schedule. So they very, very easily could be back tied within a game, even in front of the Bucs, with that schedule that the Bucs have on the West Coast. So this is not over yet. And as we mentioned, it's going to boil down to who wins that game March 30th between the Bucs and the Celtics. And I suppose April 2nd against the Sixers, you can't undersell that one either. You can't win the season series against Philly, but you can at least split it. And the only chance Philly has of catching you for the one seed at this point is they win that game as well. So a big one against a frisky Nets team that we got on Thursday night. Again, it's 7 o'clock tip on Thursday. 6.30 is when our pregame coverage begins with Dave Kane and myself. And as always, stick around after the game Thursday night. Your chance to interact with us and react to hopefully a third straight win by the Bucks on Bucks Talk. My thanks to everybody for tuning in and Tommy Wartz and Chris Larson for producing the show. Talk to you Thursday night with more Bucks Talk.